Do you believe there is more to your career than waiting for the gold watch in 40 years? Did you know that the average American spends 200 hours a year commuting to a job they probably hate? Does it frost your ass to get a 2% raise that barely keeps up with the rate of inflation? Have you ever worked for a boss hole? We know how you feel, and we want to help. Welcome to the Boss Free Society Podcast, your entertaining entrepreneur therapy session with your hosts, Tim Wambach and Patty Dominguez. Couch not included. Patty, we're back in the studio interviewing another awesome guest. And this one, I have, I have, uh, our paths have crossed many times in, the, in, in recent years, and I'm excited to bring her on. Uh, Patty, I think you're going to like her. I know. Well, I know so because we're 20 minutes into the show before we hit the record button, realizing like, uh, we got to do a show right <laughs> yeah, now. You have to do a show, Patty. So I'm glad <laughs> you guys. Let, no. I'm glad you guys let me uh, introduce the Miss Amanda Bolin. Amanda is the host of the She Did It Her Way podcast, a podcast dedicated to interviewing the top female entrepreneurs across the globe, where they share their stories, business strategies, and insights on how what it means to be in business. She did it her way podcast has been noted in Forbes as one of the top 100 websites for entrepreneurs and on the 12 best podcasts for entrepreneurs by Forbes within the first year of its launch. Amanda also consults and coaches organizations across the world on improving employee engagement, leadership development, and sales. The Boss Free Society podcast welcomes Amanda Bolin. Woo! Tim, I love your voice. Uh, like, do you need, do you do voiceovers for people? I should. I, I, I don't yet. <laughs> no, you really should. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And and congratulations on all your success. Like super, super exciting to see that a fellow podcaster, which I'm very excited that you're a fellow podcaster because it's a it's a free flow conversation that we know will go really good places. Mm -hmm. Tell us, tell us what is um what are you most focused on with your podcast? I mean, I think the pinnacle is Forbes and getting this this credibility to it. So what's your vision for growing the podcast even further? Yeah, I mean, definitely right now, one of the things focusing on is the growth of the podcast. And I don't know about you guys, but when the podcast first launched, which was back in January 2015, it was myself and two other gals, Molly and Tess, whoop, whoop, if they're listening to this, <laughs> they're fantastic women, and they're now doing their own individual ventures, but it, the launch of it was crucial. I mean, it wouldn't have been what it's now without them, but when we first launched, I mean, it was one of those kind of almost looked at it as like a hobby and thought, okay, we we all enjoyed listening to podcasts, but we couldn't find one for female entrepreneurs. So in any sort of entrepreneurial fashion, you test the market, you look at it, and if you can't find it, you create it. And we did that. And we all had other things that we were focusing our time on, but it started picking up momentum and started growing legs to it. And so you fast forward to a year and four months into where we are now is... Now the question is like, how do you grow it? How do you expand the listenership base? And then also, what is it that you want to offer? And for us now, and for myself is saying, not only continue with podcast shows, but then grow it into a community that allows women who 
are in full-time jobs or maybe they're already out doing their entrepreneurial thing can find inspiration and learn new tips and tricks to help find even greater success in what they're already doing. That's excellent. So, so it's for women specifically, yeah? Yes. And what's the age range or who's that perfect avatar for your, your podcast? Yeah, I, the perfect avatar is really, there's no specific age range. I know marketing says you have to get really specific and, and dig down and um, there's no specific age range as much as there is the persona. It's the woman who might, who is in a corporate said job and really looking to find inspiration and tools to go out on her own and understand what is that transition and also be inspired again by other stories. And you can also, you can be someone who's already in a creative space that is looking for different ways for online marketing information through the interviews as long, like also there's a lot of personal stories that are shared, which gets a lot of traction from our listeners. They like that vulnerability when they sure. share the mindset and the the journeys behind mm-hmm. what they've gone through. Yeah. Now you, you were, you're graduated at the university of Iowa. Yes. And you started your career as in corporate, <laughs> right? So how, yes. what would you say, what was your quick exit out of corporate into your own thing? Oh, like what's, what's, what can someone learn from that? Yeah. I, the quick exit, it, I look at when I left corporate America and going into where I'm at now, back in 2012, I left, there was really, I've identified a three-step process. You have a lead-up phase, a leap, and then a land. And regardless of who you are or what it is that you want to do, whatever situation you're in, there's always going to be that lead-up. There's going to be the fears, the doubts, the planning, the preparation, the questions you're asking yourself. And then there's going to be the actual, once you make the decision that you are done and you are quitting your job and there's no more back and forth, that's when the leap, the leap portion happens and you've made the decision. Now you actually have to go execute on that decision and tell your employer, whoever it might be, you're putting in your two weeks. And then the land is landing on your feet when you're out on your own. There's so much that comes to the mindset behind it. I mean, you, I'm sure you guys know when you're in an office or you're at your house working at the kitchen table, you're like, what? I feel so alone. And there's just so many ups and downs that people don't talk about. And I still consider myself in, in the land because the landscape is always changing. So you're always figuring out how do you continue to drive business and grow what it is that you're doing. So, yeah. So while you were in corporate, what was that moment where you were like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Had you always been an entrepreneur? Was this like a stepping stone into solopreneurship or did you just kind of have this moment of like, oh my God, I really can't do this. Yeah. I had both. I mean, I knew when I was younger, call it crazy, but I loved lemonade stands. I was figuring all that <laughs> stuff out. I loved the whole sales, interacting with people, Girl Scouts, boom. I loved like, how many Girl Scout cookies can I sell? Um, and so I always knew that I wanted to go off on my own. I just didn't know exactly what that looked like. And when I graduated college, I worked at Target in their management program. And it was one of the best experiences ever. I was there for a total of a year. But I remember being up at the front, a cash register, and you're working 60 hours a week. You're working every other weekend, every other holiday. And I was like, this cannot be real life. There's no way. And Tim knows, and you might know a good friend, Adam Carroll, who um, introduced where I initially met Tim at is in that world, when I was like, there's no way you you don't go to college and invest this money and like come out with student loan debt to be this 
unhappy. And I had some, some people were like, Hey, we'll get used to it. That's real life. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I, and you know, I respect that. Like that's, that's their world and that's the way it's been in. But I, but for me, what was life-saving in that moment was having Adam as someone who showed me that it's possible to actually get up and enjoy what you want to do every day. So even though so many people are like, Amanda, you're not living in real life. That's not real world. Like you can't like, this is the, the ups and downs, the bad and good days are just part of life. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. So at that moment, when I was standing there in front of Target, I mean, it was about eight months in. It was another two months that I spent wavering. I was going back and forth. I'm like, okay, today's a good day. Um, someone that I recommended to come to Target is onboarding. And after she's there for three months, I get a thousand dollar gift certificate. And it's like <laughs> all these things. And then they're like, you get this kudo of the month and one, once those little carrots started becoming less important to me and I was just like becoming numb to it, I'm like, okay, I know I'm moving in the right direction because it, it really like, I've seen this with so many people and I've worked with over a dozen people on this is that there's always one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. But once you make the decision to get either on, like stay on the dock or get on the boat, that decision, things start to happen. And I was at, at Target for about 13 months and I had made the decision to leave and pick up a job at a interim position as a recruiter for Wells Fargo. And so my lead up time was a good, almost about a year, but people don't see that. They only see that like so-and-so quit their job. Exactly. And, and so it's just that exposure behind it that, I mean, and you have to make changes. I like took an like at Target, it was, okay, stay here for another year and a half and you can make six figures running a store. And then I'm like, no, I like, it just, it wasn't, I, I was young enough in the sense to say like there, I will make other ways in adding value to the society other than going that route. And then I took a significant pay cut. I lost all benefits when I did the interim consulting or the interim, excuse me, HR gig at Wells Fargo, but I got so much time back that really allowed me to figure out what is it that I want to do. And then also in that time at July, 2011 is when I attended Adam Carroll's succeed faster, which is where I met Tim. And I met another couple other really, really strong, valuable connections at that um, conference that later following in May, 2012 allowed me to go out on my own. So it's a really, it's a process. It totally is. I mean, some people might wake up and be like, I'm quitting my job. And and I did that. But then I had someone that was like, oh, you better have a job lined up. Like I would never recommend anyone quitting their job without something lined up to help them. And so you're always moving through the bridge job. So I would say my experience at Wells Fargo was a bridge job into what I'm doing now. Mm, that's so, a great way to put it, by the way, to have that bridge job, knowing like the, I'm sorry, Tim, just really quick, like no, just that transition. But as I, you knew that Wells Fargo was just literally going to be a very short term um, kind of a fix or, or an interim type of a position because you had your eye on the greater goal of eventually quitting your job anyway. And I think that that's the important thing is like, don't give yourself a way out and just kind of put on the back burner the dreams that you really have or the goals that you have, because it's so easy to give into the chatter to other people telling mm-hmm. you like, oh my God, it's a really good position and you're on the right path. <laughs> but innately, you knew you weren't, right? Right. No, I, I definitely... I, and I, this, I worked with other people who weren't happy and I'm like, I can't sit here anymore in this negative energy that I was personally creating and that, I mean, we would go and have wine and that just became the topic of conversation. And now 
when I'm with people and we have wine, it's never discussed about work unless like we're doing a partnership and then it's fun, but it's not, the conversation completely changes. And I think even when I was at Wells Fargo, so when I left Target to go to Wells Fargo, the position being a recruiter was not guaranteed and because it was interim. But during that time, I had actually been offered a full-time recruiting job about eight months in without knowing what the future looked like. I still turned it down because I'm like, this is not what I want to do. And you hear so many times people say that um, good is the enemy of great. And I think that's the same thing is that you can be comfortable in where you're at, but can you be alive? Like, what are you missing out on? And I knew that I was like, I was comfortable in recruiting. I was really, I was damn good at it. And I made strong connections in it, but I said, this is not what I see and this is not what I want to do. And I think the universe tests us in that capacity every like time we want to do something big. Exactly. So, you know, I liked how you, you mentioned that it was the, the lead up, the leap, and then the land. So I think a lot of people that are probably listening now are still in that, in that lead up phase. So could you talk a little bit more about what were some things you had maybe put in place so that it made it allowed the leap to maybe be more smoother or was easier to, to, to make the leap? Is there anything you can talk about that? Yeah. And I definitely think that the leap will be different for everyone. Some people are very much more um, risk adverse. And so money and financial is really important to them. For me, it wasn't. I just backed up in my mind. I said, the worst comes to worst. I moved back home to Iowa and I live with my parents and I figure it out, like just get another job, okay? Um, but it for me, it was really figuring out the connections and meeting with people and understanding what else is out there, exposing myself to other networking groups or getting involved with people. So if you, like if someone's listening and they really want to figure out um like one of the things that they can do is just gain exposure into the industry that they might be interested in. Follow them on social media. Uh, another thing is in, in addition to getting in touch with people that you may want to be influenced by is reading books, uh, read books, listen to podcasts again, like feed your mind with that. And then the third is this is more of just to be aware. I mean, you guys were talking about that internal critic and that internal chatter that happens so much in the lead up phase because you're like, am I crazy? People are telling me I'm like nuts for leaving this job. Like this is real life. And then you start thinking about it and you're like, maybe it is real life. Maybe I should stay in a job that I'm not super excited about. Or <laughs> one of my friends was like, what are you going to do with your resume? Like what's going to happen to your resume? I'm like, I, I don't care. Like I hope to never have to submit another resume. And and I say that fully admitting that there have been times when I'm like, what would it be like to get a full-time job and have a steady paycheck? And I think everyone goes through that now and then, but it, the feeling is, is different. Yeah, for sure. So how, how did you translate what you, or did you, the learnings that you learned in corporate over into what you're doing now? And tell us about what you're doing now and how you add value to the world. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I initially took the leap, I had a opportunity to work with a consulting company called The Carding Group, and they their business model is staffing freelance consultants for their gigs. So um, a client of theirs is a hospital, let's say, and it's an employee engagement um, project. And for me, the employee engagement projects have a lot of correlation to what I learned at Target. When I was at Target, I had an opportunity to do a lot of performance management in my role. I was um, 
I had four direct reports, all twice, about twice my age. And then I uh, indirectly managed the store five times a week. And so there would probably be about 100 people you'd be managing all like at one time and running the store operations. And so understanding and knowing how important training is in onboarding and hiring the right people gave me that passion to want to go into companies and organizations and work employee engagement because we spend so much time there. And with my experience at Target, I had an opportunity to see a culture that was not necessarily excelling and being able to see all the different dynamics that played into it. And I just have a passion for people. So I was able to transfer all the skills and the learnings and the understanding while working with the people that I've been able to the past four years that I've been in business. So what would you say, what is what does being an entrepreneur mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, flying by the seat of your pants. No, <laughs> uh, I, I think, okay, not I think, I know my from my experience and my lens, entrepreneurship makes you, whether you are or want to be, it forces you and it creates an environment for you to become even more self-aware and understanding how you think, what you believe, and how you interact. And you have to be accountable. Um, you have to be willing to dig real deep and experience some high highs and some high lows. And so entrepreneurship is, it's this, I don't know if I would call it a label, but I would call it like almost a mindset. Mm, that's so good. I've never heard, with all the interviews we've had, nobody's ever said it that way. Correct. Yeah, uh, I definitely think I think it's a it's a mindset. Entrepreneurship is such a big buzzword now yeah. that I think even if you are still in corporate America and you love what you do and you're doing your thing, um, you can still take the same mindset and mentality and learn it and still be in corporate America. That's why I think it's it's a mindset that is valuable to have. The skills that you develop as an entrepreneur are translatable back into your into a corporate career or somebody would decide to go back, is mm -hmm. that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've learned so much from, I mean, I think because when you're in your, in, in my position, so I'm a, I consider the solopreneur. And so it's myself or if I work with contractors or if I work in partnership, uh, you're just so, you're more inclined and more incentivized to be more efficient to figure out ways like how can I outsource this? How can I grow it? And those are the same type of mindsets that also as you, I think you get more into like a corporate setting and you start having management teams and you start growing in your in your role, you learn a lot of those things. But early on, it's not so much because you might be more of a cog in the wheel, but in the world that we may live in right now, I mean, we want to be more efficient. We want to look at like our individual business as corporate corporations look at their business and they try to decrease their expenses. And so there's a lot of things that like I look at what I've learned now and how if I apply that, if I were to go back in corporate America, how much more of a valuable asset I would be to a company yeah. versus what I was before. And maybe that's maturity too. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh no, definitely. It's this whole evolution. So talk to us about this whole consulting thing that you're doing. So we know that, or we've heard before that people that have had a job, maybe in a corporate environment or for, or in any other type of situation can translate that, move that over into consulting. So you could get paid for what you know. Um, what is, I guess, the best case of how you've modeled your now solo 
solopreneur career and what kind of clients do you love to work with and how do you help them specifically? So as people yeah. are getting ideas, like, well, I don't know, how do I translate what I know, you know? Yeah. And I, I look at it and the world that I live in is sort of a, sort of a web. And it's one of those things where some people want to, and maybe I'm not explaining it correctly, who knows, but they, um, I work with consulting companies as my clients. And so I have about five of them that I, that I network with all of them from employee engagement projects to sales training, to even product demoing at trade shows and, um, the end client like AT&T, um, Kansas University Medical Center, J.P. Morgan, Intel are my consulting clients' clients. Mm-hmm. And so what I've done is I've been able to make this web of consulting companies that I have that I will work projects for. But I've also done another portion is where I take people, I look into my network and I find some projects that would be valuable to their business and I network with them. And then I partner with some of the clients, I partner with the um, consulting companies And so it's a joint venture versus me housing it all on my own. But I'm able to bring that value from my network into introducing other projects and um, clients to them as well. It's fantastic. So so the networking and the strategic alliances that you have is really um, has been super pivotal for you then. Right. So pivotal. And I will say, too, I uh, when I so when I started in the consulting business, I was 24 and everyone, I mean, granted, I get this and people were saying, I had one friend actually tell me, they go, no offense, Bo or Amanda, but my nickname is Bo. They said, who's going to hire you? You're only 23. And at the time when this conversation was happening and I am like, you know what? Like, okay, okay. (laughs) And I was just like biting my tongue. And then I'm this aggressive, very motivated. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, watch me see, I'm going to prove you wrong. And what I that use that as my motivation. And then when I was 24 is when I had that opportunity to go work a project with um, AT&T inside their call centers. And part of it was just, you have to learn on your feet and drink from a fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that was so intense. I remember I looked in the mirror back in the hotel and I'm like, I quit my job to do this. <laughs> like what? I'm like, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I don't even remember the question you asked. I'm so no, sorry, Patty. It's, it's, it's good because it's, it's exact. Well, here's a, a second part to it. And you're everything's awesome. The content that you're sharing is as somebody who is considering um, moving over into entrepreneurship and saying, OK, I can do this consulting gig. What would be a best practice that you could share with them on how you've been able to develop these these key contacts that have really created this great career for you as a solopreneur? Yeah, I, I mean, first step would be to get introduced to people who are already doing it and then network with them. And I think my success in creating this web has also been so you work alongside a lot of other independent consultants, too. And so a lot of the other gigs that I've gotten have also been through those relationships that I've built up with them. Yeah, And then you get to a point where you find there's a, a book like Be So Good, they they can't ignore you to where you do everything you can for your client and then also your peers, but you're also looking out for other opportunities. And so I think um, what I learned two years ago is I was just allowing, I was waiting for the business to come into me, which also didn't allow me to put myself in a strong position because then I was on the hook for whatever the clients gave me versus me being active and seeking out other ways that I could add value to my current existing client. Right. 
um, base. That's great. So, great tip. So how, how do you keep your head in the game? You know, what's the thing that, that keeps you in the zone? <laughs> just overall in the zone. Oh. Take it however you want. I mean, maybe okay, just, yeah. like, you know, like more like focused. Like how- oh, my working out and meditating. I know that if I'm like can't focus, it's because I haven't worked out or I haven't meditated. Oh, my gosh. Like I don't even. Yes, I like to work out because it's healthy. But like if I'm feeling agity or like I can't think, I'm just like I need to go work out. Or I need to meditate. There's a week where I didn't meditate and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can tell that. So I definitely, to keep the head in the game and the focus is meditate and then work out and a consistent sleep schedule. Yeah, oh that's my a gosh. hard one. If when, you're, when you're traveling and oh, that's really yeah. tough with different time zones. <laughs> oh my gosh, it would be like in Cal. Well, and the tough part is, is then you're with people that you don't see all the time because the consultant cycle changes. And so you're traveling and you're meeting, you're meeting up with different people. And then it's like, oh, let's go get wine. And then you're like, that's two glasses of wine. All right, let's have a third. And the next thing you're like, go into your hotel room and 10, like 10 PM to me is very late. Cause I like to go to bed at like by nine. Um, wow, but then you're, you're also disciplined. <laughs> Yeah, I've been really good, but as of lately with everything going on and it's been crazy, it's been hard, but um, I know that I'm more, most valuable as a human being, as a fiance, as a friend, as a daughter, as a business person, when I've got adequate amount of sleep, limited alcohol, meditation, and a workout in. There you go. That's the secret. And that's, I was going to say, if you can figure out the sleep thing, um, I'd welcome that because that's probably the hardest thing for me is the yeah. sleep. Because like, I find I'll start working on something, I'll get really into it, and then I can easily go till 2 o'clock in the morning. And then all of a sudden, what? yeah, and then I have to be up, let's say, at 6.30 for my kids. I'm like, I literally feel like somebody put hot sauce on my eyeballs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, that would be – that's definitely tough. And I feel like creatives – we, um, and I mean, entrepreneurs, that's definitely like a, a thing because you, you don't want to stop creativity when it sparks. Right. That's it. There you go. That's exactly it. I'm like, I'm in, I'm, and I'll say to myself, I'm like, I'm like, in the, I'm in the flow state. <laughs> yeah. Like I ain't going to bed. Heck no. <laughs> I can yeah. I can rally. Anyway. I would, it's kind of like I, um, never F with a winning streak. <laughs> I'm telling you. No, there you don't, go. don't do that. I wonder if. I mean, I've never really looked at this, but I would think that there's a way that you could trigger your mind or build it up in a way to like whatever triggers you to be creative. I don't know. Some people say that they get really creative at night. I do. I totally So do. I don't know. In, I have no idea. Yeah, in the, the morning. circadian I just, rhythm, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. We, yeah. I've talked to a lot of people about this. Like, are you more productive in the morning or at night? Because the whole thing about having a morning routine is so important and it kind of sets you up for productivity. But I have sure. my morning routine, but I have to, like, I literally have a tallied list of things that I have to do that are outside of my work. I mean, it includes my work, but it's like family and then the kids, and then I got to do this, I got to make that phone call. And then after things are quiet in the house, that's when I'm like, okay, this time mm-hmm. span is for my business. And so that's where it's like total clarity because I don't have to share my brain on so many other things. If that makes any sense to the women out there, um, because we just no. have this tendency to multitask like ad nauseum. And it's like, I don't understand how you're supposed to get into a flow state in the day when everything else is happening. Anyway, I no. it's a fascinating topic. I think that that's so... That's that's very true. I re- have you guys are, have you read um Rory Vadden wrote a book Procrastinate on Purpose. 
but then there's also uh, another book called The One Thing, and they kind of, they blend together a little bit. But it definitely talks about the the undivided attention and how to be more focused when your mind's clear. And multitasking is this quote unquote myth. But I agree with you. I found um, for me, it's so odd, like getting up in the morning and working out immediately. And because if I don't work out, then I'm constantly thinking about when I need to work out right, and it's right. just wasting energy that way. So I, right. I prefer, and I can't grant it like lately, it has not been this slick of a routine, but we're, we're all human. Right. And then it's knowing exactly what doing after that. And sometimes that like, I feel always say men are so lucky because they just, you guys hop in the shower and it's <laughs> like done We're women we're like, okay, we take a shower. It's like shower blow dry the hair, straighten the hair. And I'm like, I'm tired of wasting all this energy. So sometimes I just have to, after I get done working out and I do my morning routine, I'm like, I just got to start working. Otherwise I feel behind the ball and it's just going constantly like gaining that momentum to start working. But yeah, that was a tangent. No, but it's so good. And it's, we actually had Chandler Bolt on and he talked about oh, I love morning. Chandler. Yeah. And he talked about his amazing uh, morning routine. It was really just really precise. Yeah, <gasps> so regimented, like 40 push-ups. And not green surprising. And the affirmations and the meditation. I was just so fascinated because he's such a high, um, high performing Form. individual. And I was like, wait a minute. In that, to your point, Amanda, it's like, wait a minute. The whole female grooming thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hair, the, I'm like, like that's an unfair advantage. It is totally unfair. I'll, I'll, I'll and I, that's what it's I'm... so fun. <laughs> anyway, you get so lucky because I, the thought of like, oh my, I gotta get in the shower and then I'm gonna have to co- like blow dry my hair and all that, and then I gotta put makeup <laughs> on and then I gotta like get dressed after that. That is 45 minutes of right. energy. Thank you. That is expended. And so recently dry shampoo has become my BFF <laughs> and I'm like what's transitioning my one? closet. Yeah. Oh, I, what's the best one? Yeah. Um, I use the Aveda sh- dry shampoo. Okay. I love it. Okay, it's great. It smells one. fantastic. I can't find the best. I, I've, I've tried Bumble and Bumble and Redkin oh. and all these other ones. I'm like, that's not good. So okay, no, I like Aveda. That tip. <laughs> yeah. That was a sponsorship post. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. The, the, the women of our podcast are, are bowing to you guys. Right? <laughs> yeah, but then I think too, if if I'm if I may go on another slight ch- tangent, is also like wardrobe, right? Like cleaning out the closet, getting it down to like limited number of pieces, so that you have you don't have to expend as much energy deciding what you want to wear. That'd be like Again. Zuckerberg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except men look way better in a black tee and jeans. Women like black tee and jeans. It's like do you not think about what you wore today? <laughs> and so I'm also, I, if anyone, if anyone of your, and any of your listeners know any tips and tricks about cultivating a wardrobe that fits the feminine entrepreneur, but wants to be chic, please message me because I am open to taking any advice. And I know there's a capsule wardrobe. I just need to invest the time and energy to do it. But I'm like, Oh, that could I'll just put on. Yoga pants. That's what I was just going to say. My yoga pants are my go-to. And if you can explain or express this whole capsule wardrobe and then simplify it to a way where it's turnkey for me, I'd be all over that. That's not only a great business model of some kind, right? a great topic. Anyway, poor yeah. Tim. Poor Tim. He's like, <laughs> Sorry, what are you girls Tim. talking about? Well, I, well I, Sarah I have probably a wife, says the same so thing. I know a little yeah. bit about these things. Yeah. So, <laughs> Tim, do you want to take it away with the last question? Yes, Amanda, can you believe it? It's been 
almost a half hour. <laughs> no, it's been more than that. More than that. Oh yeah, it has been more than that with with our pre-show. Well, sure. Uh, but one of the things that we like to ask uh, our our guests is, what sage advice can you offer for our Boss Free Society listeners? Something that they can do in the next know, 24, 48 hours that can move their business forward. Ooh. I am going to say you need to pick up the book called Profit First by Mike, Mike McCallowitz. Thank you. Yes. We interviewed him a little while back. No way. Yeah. Yeah, That, um, and especially as a solopreneur, if someone's looking to get into that, I mean, the mindset, I've been at this for four years trying to figure it out on my own. And I like the, the dude, Mike keeps coming up. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy his book. I get you universe. I'm doing it. And I, I've read maybe half of it already. And I'm just, it's definitely a good roadmap for someone who's out there on their own in terms of like way to think about your business and how to pay yourself first and looking at expenses. And I would just pick up the book. So <laughs> Go good. order it. So good. I totally agree. I mean, we were so lucky to have him on the show. And not only is he super smart, but he's this, the funniest guy. Uh, we, Tim and I literally laughed. Was, we were on the time. floor. It was so funny. I was like, how are we supposed to keep a straight face? Because he just talks and he's so transparent about his life and about how he was really cocky. And he's like, and then I had to to de-douche because he's like, I was so douchey. Yes. <laughs> he's like, I was so douchey. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. He's actually coming out with a new book. It's called Surge. Um, I'm a mm. huge fan, huge fan. He's just so great. Um, yeah, so we'll I, definitely have to link to that show. Um, if, yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have uh, links to Adam Carroll's yeah. show, to Chad Carden's show, yeah. and we mentioned Chandler Bolt. Yes, have a lot of uh, links in the show. Yeah, yeah. All right, Amanda, thank you awesome. so much. How can people get a hold of you? Find out more about your podcast, your consulting services, w- what you're doing this year, and everything in general about your brand and what you're doing. Heck yeah! Well, they you guys can visit. You're listening. Just visit she did it her way to find out all the information and everything and keep updated. That's where I am investing a lot of my energy these days. So check me out there. And if you have any questions, just send, send me a note. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor to have you. Congratulations on all your success, your engagement, your dry uh, shampoo pick. So many amazing things. The list can go on and on. I know. The dry shampoo is a lifesaver. Holla. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll have all that in the show notes. Thanks for catching us. See you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Boss Free Society podcast. If you want more, connect with us on Facebook at Boss Free Society fan page, Twitter at Boss Free Society. Or join our group of other boss-free-minded peeps at the Boss Free Dojo on Facebook.